back, my friends, to part two. I'm really excited about this. The more I've delved into this footnote, the more I've tried to understand the incredible messages that are tucked away in the tiniest folds of the Rebbe's inspired words, the more blown away I've become and, and the more it's excited and uplifted me and I hope that it'll do both for you as well. Let me just say that if you're tuning in for the first time or you're only watching part two, that would be a mistake. It's really important to see part one because this footnote, the 94th footnote out of nearly 140 footnotes and glosses in this particular edited sicha really comes to a head. It makes the most, shall we say, sense or is appreciated best if you understand how we got here. But in as much as part two is necessarily a continuation of part one, I'm going to recap very briefly for those of you who are just joining now, two salient points, and then we'll delve into the Rebbe's holy words. Point one. Over the past few months, many people have caught, not COVID, but Mashiach fever. And people have been talking about the imminent arrival of Mashiach because everything is so bad. That's a terrible idea. Mashiach is not the answer to illness, pestilence, war, or terrorism. Mashiach is the answer to the purpose of creation. The world was created with a holy vision, a vision of this world being the beautiful garden reflecting the presence of the Creator in the fullest sense. That essentially, that essentially, my friends, has nothing to do with bad things happening. It has to do with the world being a place that seems dark, dark namely in that we cannot identify or see the presence of the Creator, a world that became increasingly dark with the loss of the Beit HaMikdash and the eventual evaporation of higher divine consciousness and prophecy. But a world in which the inherent godly reality is something that you and I have the sacred duty of revealing and bringing forth. Mashiach is about knowing God face to face. As we say each week, taking out the Sefer Torah, ayin ba'ayin yiru. When Mashiach comes, we're going to see God, proverbially speaking, eye to eye, face to face. There'll be no longer any concealment. And of course, when the presence of the Creator resonates in every iota, of the strata of existence, there will be no war and there will be no jealousy. There won't even be competition. There will be an abundance, an abundance of everything anybody could possibly imagine. Of course there will be no illness, no haters, no evil, no murder, no terrorism. But that's not the essence of Mashiach. And so the thrust, or a primary thrust, of this particular rumination and many of the Rebbe's doctrines and teachings we're emphasizing the notion that Mashiach's coming is not the answer to bad things. 
Now we, as Torah Jews, are enjoined to believe in the coming of Mashiach and to await and anticipate the coming of Mashiach every single day. Having said that, there are times in which we can see the unfolding of this godly vision. We can see that godly garden beginning to materialize before our eyes. That, the Rebbe said, heralds the coming of Mashiach. Not anguish and suffering. Not pain, depression, or despondency. But on the contrary, a sense of plentitude, a sense of amplitude, a sense of us being able to fully exercise our rights and our privileges and responsibility as Torah Jews to live an inspired life. That heralds the coming of Mashiach. A world that seems to embrace that futuristic vision. A world that reflects goodness. Not deprivation. Not sadness or suffering. I think this message cannot be overemphasized, especially with the reckless and irresponsible pronouncements of people over the last few months. My dear friends, the Rebbe told us that Mashiach is coming. He told us in unequivocal terms that we are the last generation of Galut and the first generation of Geula. We will have the privilege of seeing this magnificent future unfold before our very eyes. And we should yearn for Mashiach. We should pine for Mashiach. We should plead for Mashiach, not because it's bad. And the Rebbe spoke about good things happening. And that really bring, brings us to this footnote. This was a sikha that the Rebbe delivered in the winter of very late 1990, in December of 1990, just before 1991 and in January of that year, a murderous hail of Scud missiles was unleashed by the venomous regime in Iraq against our beloved and then beleaguered Israel. And the Rebbe assured us that everything was going to be fine and that Israel would be the safest place. And it was. I talked about that in great detail in part one. At this point, the Sikha begins to move in a specific direction. Having highlighted and emphasized all the good things that are about to happen, the, the sense of Hashem's presence and protection in the Holy Land and for His beloved nation. The Rebbe then begins to take this into the next natural step. And before I go on to reiterate that next natural step, I want to re-emphasize the second salient point of the Sikha. The Sikha emphasized multiple times and in a variety of ways the notion of af, the word af, which shows up in Torah literature. And broadly speaking, af represents negativity. And yet, the Rebbe here is now going to demonstrate how af, re-engineered, becomes a reflection of the most amazing reality. He highlights the idea that af can be legreusa, that af can be understood, seen, and couched in dark or negative terminology, but that af can also be lemal yusa. It can also be virtuous. It can be uplifting. It can be illuminating. A very positive thing. 
And with that little bit of recapitulation, and I, I'm sorry if you heard this already and you're hearing it again, let's move forward in the Sicha. Sefer HaSichas Hatinose. This is the Sicha that the Rebbe delivered on Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash, the year 5751, as I said, December 1990. V'cholza on page 214. All of this, because we are standing on the threshold exceedingly close to the redemption, to a changed world. The geula ha'amitis v'hashlema, the redemption, which will be both true, and that means it's everlasting, and it is shlema, it is all-encompassing, absolute. And that'll happen al yaday, by the hand of, or by dint of, Mashiach Tzidkenu, the arrival of our righteous Redeemer, Mashiach. And here, the Rebbe chooses to highlight the verbiage, the syntax, the prophetic terminology employed by the sweet singer of Israel, King David, in the book of Psalms. In the very syntax of David, who is called the anointed king, Malka Meshicha is Aramaic, that's why it's like Melech HaMashiach, but Malka Meshicha, with an Aleph at the end, is Aramaic. The Rebbe here, in quotation marks, refers to him as Neim Zimirot Yisrael, the sweet or pleasant singer of Israel. And there's much to say about that. But let me just highlight the idea that Neim Zimirot Yisrael means, amongst other things, that David HaMelech, was able to embody the yearning, the aspiration, the hope, and the optimism that resonates and rings in the heart of every single man, woman, and child of Am Yisro. And that each and every one of us can find ourselves and our own soul expressions in the words of the Tehillim. Because the Tehillim as Neim Zemirot Yisrael, he is not a sweet singer of Israel. He is the sweet singer who was able to give ear and articulate the sentiments of every member of Am Yisrael. All of us, all of us can find ourselves and can find the ability or platform for expression before Hashem in the sacred and holy words of Tehillim, the book of Psalms. And the Rebbe chooses to go to Mizmer Peitet, the 89th Psalm. So I have to give you a little commentary. Why is he going to the 89th Psalm? Yes, it's true. He begins to quote, Karati Brit Libichiri. I have established a covenant with my chosen one. Nishbaiti. I have sworn Ledovid Avdi to David, my servant. And then we move forward. That's in verse 4. And then the Rebbe moves forward to verse 21. Matsati David Avdi, I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. And then the Rebbe says that in the Siyum, in the end of the Mizmar, in the Chosim, the conclusion of this psalm, Baruch Hashem le'olam, amen v'amen, blessed is God. For eternity, Amen 
and for emphasis a second time, Amen. And here the Rebbe alludes to the commentary, notes the commentary of Rabbeinu Avram ben Ezra, one of the great Rishonim and primary commentaries on the Bible and especially on the book of Tehillim. And he says that the Ibn Ezra says that that refers Ra'a he saw, and the end of the Ibn Ezra's words are Biata Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach. Alkain, because David HaMelech foresaw, David had a vision, because David foresaw the coming of Mashiach, Nasan Todas Lashem, therefore he gave thanks to God. In other words, that this psalm concludes on the note of a futuristic vision, a vision that was already seen. And because King David saw it with clarity, he already thanked Hashem for a future yet to unfold. These are the Rebbe's words. So I would, I'm just going to try to ex understand and explain and fully articulate the messages that I would like to humbly suggest are encoded in. I'm not a seer, I'm not a prophet. I'm not holy in any way, shape, or form. I'm just like everybody else. I don't have any better vision. I just spent a lot of time looking at this again and again, and going through a lot of sources. And what I tell you today might not be accurate. I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing my best. But I'm gonna give you all of my sources. I'm gonna walk you along in the logic that I followed. And you draw your own conclusions. Why did the Rebbe allude to Psalm 89? The book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms is filled, and I mean filled, with metaphor, poetry, parable, euphemism, and energizing verses that speak of the coming of Mashiach, a world made whole, healed, and redeemed. Why, of all the chapters of Tillam, the Rebbe chose Psalm 89? So the Hasidim who are listening know the answer. It's pretty obvious to us, and I'm going to share it with the rest of you. On that year, especially in that winter, the Rebbe spoke about Psalm 89 very often. Why? Well, it seems like this. There is a tradition that comes from the Holy Baal Shem Tev, that one recites an additional chapter of Tehillim each day corresponding to the years of their life. Mazel Tov, you had a baby? That's wonderful. It would be appropriate that the father and mother would pray for the welfare of that child. Most new fathers and mothers would love to pray for the welfare of that child. How do you do that? Well, the Balshemta said, in order to pray for Yirat Shamayim, not only for material sustenance, for health and terrestrial success, but to pray for the fulfillment of one's mission in life, that a person should live meaningfully with what's called reverence, a sense of awe for our Creator and for the mission and mandate that He has placed upon us, Yirat Shamayim, that we recite the psalm corresponding to the years of our life. Now, the day a baby turns one, he or she starts their second year. They begin their first year at the moment of crowning, when they're born. 
So during that first year of the child's life, the parents, maybe grandparents or well-wishers, would recite Kapitel Aleph, Psalm 1, in honor of this child. And on the child's second birthday, they'd move into Kapitel Beis, praying for the second year of life. This is a custom, as I said, that hails itself back to the Baal Shem Tov, and something which is widely observed by Hasidim from a, 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 broad, a broad cloth. All kinds of Hasidim follow this tradition. Many also will say Tehillim for their spouses, and many will also recite Tehillim, and this is documented for their Rebbe. Rebbe is not just a, a teacher. In the vernacular, in Yiddish, the Rebbe is unser Tater. The Rebbe is like a father to us. That's not a new idea. That's not something Hasidim came up with. In fact, Rashi, in Pshuta Shomikra, in the very literal interpretation of the Bible, tells us that Bechol Mokem, in every place in Torah literature, certainly in biblical literature, that the rabbi, the rebbe, the teacher, the spiritual mentor is not called a rabbi or a teacher, but rather he's called an av, he's called a father. And that the pupils, acolytes, disciples, the students are not called any of those words. Instead, the terminology used is familial, a child, a parent and a child. The prophets who taught Torah and inspired our entire nation were called parents. Parents. In what's arguably one of the most dramatic episodes in the entirety of our Tanakh, in the entirety of our canon, our Bible, Elijah the prophet, Elio Hanavi, knows that his time has come. And he doesn't want anybody to be there when he leaves this world. But his close disciple, his chassid, Elisha, he senses that something's afoot and he follows him wherever he goes. And finally, Elio Anavi says, if you will see, if you will see when I will leave, then you will have a double portion. And Elijah ascends to the heavens in what is proverbially described as a chariot of fire but that probably means it's in a flash of light. Because anything that travels at the speed of light will appear to be photonic. Elisha sees that proverbial chariot of fire. He sees that flash. What does he do? He rends his garment, which is what we, the Jewish people, do when we lose a loved one, a member of the family, Rahman al-Islam. We do not gash or break or lacerate our skin. We do not tear our hair out as was the custom of ancient pagan nations and sadly still a custom amongst some religious or, or social groups today. We do not harm ourselves. We do rend our garments. As if to indicate that the terrestrial passing is not a final thing. It's only superficial. It's only, it's only in a material sense. So we rend our garments. And Elisha does that and he cries, Ovi, Ovi. He doesn't say Rebbe. He doesn't say not prophet. He says my father. For Hasidim, 
reciting the Rebbe's capital, it's a basic part of our relationship with the Rebbe. All Hasidim, children, women, men, all Hasidim, will read the Rebbe's capital on a daily basis. In fact, it's usually the first thing we do when we finish our davening, even before we recite the daily allotment of Tehillim as it's broken into the days of the month. The Tehillim is, 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 is designated into 30 sections corresponding to the 29 or 30 days of the Hebrew month, and each day of the month we recite an allotment of Tehillim. This comes along with the study of daily Chumash and the study of a daily portion of Tanya, and it's called Chitas, Chumash Tehillim Tanya. And almost all Hasidim that I know will first recite the capital of the Rebbe. And if they don't do it then, they'll do it afterwards, and at some point in the day they will read or recite the Rebbe's chapter of Tehillim. Well, my friends, in the winter of 1990 into 1991, guess which chapter of Tehillim the Rebbe was reciting and we Hasidim were reciting? Kapitel Peites, Psalm 89. In other words, the Rebbe here alludes to the chapter of Tehillim, which was very close to his heart, and it was close to the hearts and to the minds and souls of everybody who was in the room, the thousands of people who had gathered on that Shabbat afternoon to hear the Rebbe's illuminated and inspirational words. So the Rebbe would look to the book of Tehillim, but in that year the Rebbe would often emphasize the chapter of Tehillim that corresponds to his own year. The Rebbe was born on Yudalaf Nisan and Tafresh Samach Beis, which is in April of 1902. On Yudalaf Nisan 1991, we began to recite Kapitel Tzadik, the 90th Psalm. However, during the winter, we were reciting Psalm 89. So the Rebbe says that he wants to employ the Loshan, the language of David Malka Meshicha, referring to David HaMelech, not only as the sweet singer, but first referring to him as the anointed king of Israel. And of course, it is from his and Shlomo HaMelech's progeny that the Mashiach will come. David HaMelech is considered to be the proverbial father of Mashiach. And the Rebbe emphasizes this. And he says that's relevant to all of us. If it's Tehillim, it's relevant to all of us because he is Naim Zmirot Yisrael. And the Rebbe says in Mizmer Peites, and he specifically chooses the notion of karati brit lebechiri. I have made nishvati. I have made an oath to David Avdi. He emphasizes this idea of the covenant, his chosen one. I have found him, and he finishes with words that don't actually speak about Mashiach. There are a lot of words in Tillam that are very clearly speaking about Mashiach. The words Baruch Hashem Le'olam, Amen Ve'amen, do not specifically refer to Mashiach according to all the commentators. But the Rebbe quotes those words and then he transcribes the commentary of the Ibn Ezra, suggesting that this chapter of Tehillim concludes with a vision. With a vision. David HaMelech was foreseeing something and he was thanking Hashem for it at that time. Let me repeat that. The Rebbe concludes with the notion that a tzaddik is seeing something and he's thanking Hashem for it now. My dear friends, allow me now to take a look once again at this footnote at Ha'ora 94. 
The Rebbe begins to point out Lahoyer. It's interesting to note, he says, that the division of the 150 Mizmere Tilim, the Kuf Nun, the 150 Psalms, can be divided Lates Vav Pa'amim Eser into 15 increments of 10. And an asterisk on the bottom, the Rebbe penned the words, Ve'ula Yeshloima, perhaps we could say, Keneged Tetvav Shir Hamalot, that this division of Tehillim in increments of 10, which gives you a sum total of 15 increments, corresponds to the 15 chapters, the 15 psalms that begin with the words Shir HaMalot. Now, I've done some research, and although in Lubavitch circles, I didn't find anybody who really has experienced the division of Tilim into 10 chapters, I did hear from people that in certain communities it was customary to recite psalms in the increments of 10. So apparently there is, I don't have a written source for you, but apparently this is not a novel idea. There are those communities, or there are also individuals, who, who point out or emphasize the division of the book of Tilim into increments of 10. The Rebbe suggests that this is connected to the Shir HaMalot, 15 specific Psalms. That's very meaningful, and I'll tell you why in a moment. The Rebbe goes on to say, in parentheses, Kiyadua, that it's known, that during specific, unique periods of time, they would add 10 Psalms of Tilim. Now, in Chabad literature, this usually refers to the book of Tehillim as it's divided into days of the week. In fact, I have never heard or seen in Chabad literature, this idea of reciting 10 chapters of Tilim. It's definitely not a Chabad idea or a Hasidish idea, but the Rebbe says, since you, it's known that you say extra Tilim, I suppose there were some people who said this. The Rebbe right away now adds two little stars, two asterisks, and another little gloss. Not only when things are bad, not only when we are in a tight or squeezed set of circumstances, may we never know of such things. But rather also, and the Rebbe says, primarily, the word even or gam is in parentheses, one of the interesting points that we made as we learned the Sikha yesterday in part one was the idea of emphasizing positivity. Mashiach comes out of goodness, not suffering. The Rebbe emphasizes a unique time, a period which would call for a greater measure of passionate petitioning of heaven, reciting Tehillim, doesn't mean a bad time. It's a good time. You're thanking Hashem. You're giving ear to the sentiments of joy and jubilation. So that's the notion of this added Tehillim, Nisinas Shevach. You're thanking Hashem. Because things are so amazing. And here, the Rebbe says that this... If we view the Tehillim 
by virtue of that system of division, of that system of creating these 10 increments from that perspective. And I, I just want to say, I don't know everything, but I've called a lot of smart people who are more learned and erudite and insightful than I, and nobody could give me a source for this. Nobody could say, because they oh yeah, 10 chaps of Tzillim, sure. One expert told me he was aware of this as a child. He may have seen it once written somewhere. I couldn't get my hands on an actual safer, a holy book that says this. And yet the Rebbe, for some reason, is choosing to highlight and emphasize something that, to the best of my knowledge and best of my searches, Rebbe never mentioned, ever, with the exception of this solitary time. So from this view, Shaykh Peites, Mizmer Peites, Psalm 189 is connected to the 10 chapters of Tehillim that open with Psalm 81, Pe Aleph. And then the Rebbe adds in the parentheses, Visiyumam, and the end of that 10 chapters would be Mizmer Tzaddik. The Rebbe is highlighting this notion that his capital, Psalm 89, begins ultimately with Psalm 81 and concludes with Psalm 90. He's emphasizing the idea of the chapter of Tehillim that we're saying, together with the Rebbe, honoring the Rebbe's years of life, and he's connecting it to the next chapter. He mentions specifically, he chose to add in the manuscript, connected to the 90th chapter, which we began to recite a few months later on the 11th day of Nisan. And he says, since Psalm 89, where the Rebbe is quoting these verses that allude to the coming of Mashiach, is by virtue of this unusual system of dividing the Tehillim into ten. Ten chapters of Tehillim, which means fifteen increments of Tehillim, comprising the entirety of the book. So 89, which soon flows into 90, is connected to 81. And 81 spells... If you reverse the letters, af. And for this, you have to have watched part one. Um, I can't go over the whole business with af again. But af is the word that the Rebbe emphasized in multiple and a variety of ways. Af. That af represents negativity. That af comes from a source which is called the dark side, the sitra achra. But that af can be the malyusa. And here the Rebbe emphasizes that. Oisi is af. Avo. But it doesn't say af. It's reversed. A reversal. It doesn't say af. It says pe alef. Shemoyre, which this is indicative on hafichas af, on the transformation of af from being legreusa, from being a negative thing, la af lemalyusa, to being af in a positive way. And this, at this point, the Rebbe points out. Pei Aleph, Roshe Teves, Pei Aleph becomes the Ma'al Yusa, the virtuous, the positive, the wonderful transformation of Af, of the even, which can mean anger. That the Af is transformed, brought around into Pei Aleph, which is Roshe Teves, which is the acronym for Ploi Sarenu. Wonders. Unmasked 
wonders revealed. I will show you wonders, literally. So here's where it gets really interesting. The word plaois or plaot shows up once. Once in the entirety of the Jewish Bible. If you will scour all 24 books, you will find the word plaot once. Where? The word plaot is found in Psalm 119 only. It's the 129th verse. This year, Tav Shem Pei, 5780, we began to recite Psalm 119, honoring 119 years from the Rebbe's birth. The 119th year of eternal life. Because Sadiqim live on. And we have copious examples of birth dates celebrated in Ganeidim and Sadiqim going Mechayel El Choyel from strength to strength. And correspondingly, we recite the Tehillim. This is the year we say Psalm 119. This is also the year, come Yud Aleph Nisan, come spring, that we will move from reciting 119 into the Shir HaMalot, which begins with Psalm 120. In this Ha'ara, the Rebbe is talking about his chapter of Tilim, which in that year is 89, and will move in that year into 90. He highlights and mentions both. Connecting it to Psalm 81, this very, very unusual cryptic system, which the Rebbe never, ever mentioned before. And he doesn't just say that Af is turned into Pei Aleph, but emphasizes that Pei Aleph is an acronym, Rasha Tevis for Plois Arenu. And in a little asterisk on the bottom, he says, just like the acronym that's been ascribed to this year, Hatinase, Tavshin Nun Aleph, Hoya Tehei Shnas Niflois Arenu. That year, the Rebbe declared that it would be a year of wonders. And it was. It was a year of wonders. Amazing wonders. The Rebbe is telling us that that year of amazing wonders, Niflois Arenu, is connected to Plois Arenu. This year we go into Hoyotehei Shnas Pe Aleph, Plois Arenu. The word plois is only found in the Rebbe's capital. It's only found in the chapter of Tilim, and the Rebbe makes a point of mentioning the notion that this division is connected to the Shir Hamalot, something which does not say anywhere. It's a novel perspective, only from the Rebbe, and the Rebbe even says maybe one could suggest, which seems, at least on the surface, to add no deeper meaning it doesn't seem to explain or clarify what the Rebbe wants to say in any way, shape, or form. So we have the notion of Psalm 119, the Rebbe's capital of this year. When the Rebbe is talking about his capital of that year, 
We have the Rebbe mentioning specifically the chapter of Tilim, which will begin on Yer Aleph Nisan of that year, Kapitel Tzadik, mentions it, actually is, is mentioned, written in here. Siyumam b'mizmar Tzadik. And we have a mention in this note of the 15 Shehamalos that we will begin to say this year on Yer Aleph Nisan. It gets even more interesting. When the Rebbe writes that this notion is af l'ma'al yusa, that af, aleph pei, can be virtuous, the Rebbe wrote, there's three asterisks. There are four asterisks, four glosses on this footnote. The third gloss is, ulei yeshlei marula hoyer. The Rebbe says, perhaps we could suggest and take note of the fact that in mizmer pei tes, that in the 89th Psalm, mefia tevas af, the word af shows up five times. Five times the word af. Why is that meaningful? The yesh loimar, we could suggest, that this represents on the transformation of af, negativity, of golos paroi, of the exile of the Pharaoh, which is, the Rebbe points out, the origin of all galut as is documented. Mitzrayim, meaning narrow straits, represents the squeeze that Golos applies. Pharaoh represents the taskmasters, or those who have abused our nation time and again over the centuries and millennia. And Mitzrayim is the archetype of all exiles, of all displacement and disruption. And the Rebbe says, that's connected to this week's parsha, the parsha of the Sicha, Vayigash, where it says, that the people were taxed with a 20% tax that had to be given to the royal coffers. So you can only take home $80 or whatever currency they used at that time. Every $100 made, 20 went to the royal coffers. So this is the notion of the Umazer which is negativity, which is funds that are being siphoned off or designated, sent to enable the evil of the Pharaoh. This was a butcher, a monster. The Pharaoh used to decapitate babies and squeeze their writhing bodies into a bathtub and then bathe in their blood. An absolute monster, a demon. But this represents the turning of af, of anger, of angst, of kedu- into, into af of Kedusha. And the Rebbe says, take a look in Lakuta Teireh, Shir Hashirim, page 24, column 4, and over there indeed, in Shir Hashirim, the Rebbe speaks about this concept, the Alter Rebbe speaks about the idea of Arba Hayodais, he alludes to the notion of four fingers and a fifth finger, or four hands, and then there's a fifth hand, so to speak, finger or a hand, and he talks about this notion that the chamishis leparai can also be seen in a positive sense because the pharaoh, the earthly pharaoh, who's a demonic abuser, a monstrous murderer, the spiritual alter ego of this extreme represents extreme revelation. 
as is documented in the Zohar, that the word Pharaoh is related in its polar opposite iteration to Isgalin ve'isparin, the notion of priya, which means to unmask, to reveal the goodness, all the light. And he says it's mentioned in the Zohar of Parshat Vayigash, which is the Parshat that I was talking about here. I'm going to come back to this Lakota Torah because you'll see in a moment there's something else fascinating that unfolds. So the Rebbe says this is the idea of Hamishis Lepare, of Kedusha, of the representation of Pharaoh in the scrimmage of holiness, Isparium Vesgalium and Ekol As it says in the Zohar, that becomes a diffusion point for an extraordinary revelation. But that has to be unmasked. Why is that so interesting? Well, it's so interesting that the Rebbe would point out that when he talks about Plois, which is in Psalm 119, only found in Psalm 119. So I, I know that because in the Sefer Yashmir Kol Tehilase, he says Plois Lesser, not mentioned anywhere. And he says that's what it says in the Sefer Nismak. But he says, take a look in the book of Daniel, in the 12th chapter, in the 6th verse, and you'll see a word that's almost. So I was very curious. What's the word in the prophecies of Daniel? Or the Ruach HaKodesh. The Gemara says Daniel wasn't really a Novi. He, was a, he had Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. It's verse 6 of the 12th chapter. And it finishes off. Listen carefully. Ad Mosai Ketzaplois. How long will we have to wait for the appointed time of wonders? The word Plois is only found in Psalm 119. But with a hay in the front, it's found in the book of Daniel. Daniel, who is identified in the Gemara as an example of a kind of person who would be Mashiach. As the Gemara says, in Midechaya, if it comes from the living, or if it comes Midemichaya, from those who lived, it would be Daniel Ishchamudais. It would be a person like Daniel. So Daniel says, Ad Mosai. This is terminology that the Rebbe introduced and used time and again, and especially in the last years, thundering that everybody has to shout out, Ad Mosai. Enough of this exilic reality. When will Mashiach finally come? Those words are from Daniel. Admosai Kate's haplois. What's Kate's haplois? The Metsudist Tzian says, haplois hamechusa, which is concealed. For example, as we find in the scripture, in the book of Deuteronomy, Chumash Devarim, chapter 17, verse 8, it says that if you will have a question, something that is covered, concealed, masked, and you need to reveal it, you will go to the Sanhedrin. Ki mimcha, when it will be hidden from you. So we're talking here about Kate's haplois, the appointed time of the hidden. Haplois is that which is hidden. What does that mean, the appointed time of the hidden? Says the Mitzudas David, what he means to say is, for how much longer will things be concealed? When will things finally be revealed? In other words, the hay attached to the front of the word plois is used in the prayerful demand that there, that which is revealed, should, concealed, should become revealed. 
that that which is covered should be unmasked. Rabbeinu Sadya Gon, in his commentary on Sefer Daniel, says, Kate's Haplois refers to Kate's Hageula, the appointed time of the redemption. The Rebbe emphasizes that in Psalm 89, which is connected to Psalm 81, Pe'alef, which represents Ploi Sareno, we have the Af five times, and when you put hey in front of the word plois, it becomes admasa kates ha plois. Plois, wonders, becomes ha plois. If you look in Tehillim, on the verse that I mentioned, this verse plois at Vesecha, there you will see that all of the commentaries talk about that which is hidden. Metsudasian says, mechusa, venelam. Interesting, the Mitsudas does not go to Deuteronomy. Instead, he goes to the book of Judges. He says, Vahupeli. The father of Samson says to the angel, So, what's your name? And he says, It's Peli, which, as we'll see, according to most, means hidden. Ploi said, Vaisecha. The way the Mitsudas David explains it, the mitzvahs are concealed. The real value and virtue, we don't know. We don't know its reward. That's why I'm so careful to guard your mitzvahs. Ibn Ezra says, From the eye of every beholder. It's, it's hidden. It's concealed. It's the Radak here who sends us off to Deuteronomy 17. And he says, Concealed, hidden. So the word plois in and of itself means hidden. Going back to the footnote that Rebbe says plois areno, she'ikir ha'had gosher, that the primary emphasis on pe aleph, the opposite, the reverse, the transformed, the elevated, the re-engineered af, the af which becomes l'mal yusa in the Rebbe's view when it becomes pe aleph, that the had gosher is halagilu le'ene basar, and what's being revealed not hidden, that that which has always been hidden should now become revealed, that the truth should be unmasked. Arenu, and the Rebbe adds three powerful words: betoiv, hanira, v'hanigla, in a goodness that is opened and seen, opened and revealed. It goes further. So af, we understand, can be un- it can be negative or positive. Limal yusa, ulagreyusa. And the Rebbe is connecting this to the word plois. If you take a look in the book of Judges, where we have this notion of uhu peli, a permutation of the word plois, which is plural for wonders or hidden things, Rashi says, hu peli mechusa, concealed. It's concealed, so reveal it. Ah, he says, tomed it's always changing. Don't bother asking my name, tomorrow I get a new identity. It's concealed. Mitzudah's David says, Peli, Mechusa v'nelem, it's hidden away. So the scene, Mechusa v'nelem, it's hidden, ki like ki What does it mean, Mechusa? Radak says, it means, Letucha l'dayta, you can't know it. You don't ask things you can't know, you can't know this. 
However, Radak says, if you take a look in Targum Yenison, you'll see he vowelizes differently. In Targum Yenison, he says, he uses the word Mephorosh. Mephorosh usually means open, expressed. And he says that's from the words Kiyafli. In the book of Numbers, where it says, that when one makes a vow, it says when one actually expresses the vow, articulates the vow. So Radak says it means that it's expressed or separated. It's expressed, but it's expressedly not for you. But what's interesting here is that there seem to be almost two ways of seeing this word Pella. One as concealed and one as revealed. So I looked in a lot of different places and I found something really interesting. On those very words, Ishkiyafli, which is found in the end of Leviticus, Leviticus 27, second verse, it says Ishkiyafli, a person when they articulate or express a promise, a commitment, an oath or a vow. So it says Yafrish. Yafli says the Chizkuni. Chizkuni, a disciple of Rashi. Chizkuni says Yafrish. Openly articulated, expressed. And he says, you should know that this is miteves sheyesh lahem shnei ponim. This is a word that can be explained in two ways. This is a word that can mean concealed and is a word that can mean revealed. It can be that which we don't see or that which we do see. He says, you see, that when we discuss not knowing the judgment, not knowing the conclusion, we have to go to the Sanhedrin, then it says, Ki yipole Ki yipole, past tense, is Lashon Haloma. The past is concealed. But he says, Yafli, when it becomes futuristic, it becomes revealed. So off of the past, Pella of the past is concealed. If it's already a Pella, then it's going to be concealed. But if it's what's going to come, it's going to be revealed. It's exactly what the Rebbe is saying about the word af. This ploys arena, the word ploys in and of itself, necessarily lends itself to the very same methodology as the af. The af is legreisa, hidden, concealed, ulamalyusa, overt and revealed. And ploys, a permutation of the word pele. If it's past tense, ki yipole, it was concealed, yafli will be revealed. Amazing. I think so. And here is one more fascinating thing about the concept of Pella. The first time the word is seen anywhere in the scripture is in the prayer or the song called Az Yashir. These are the verses that were chanted or sung by the Jewish people, led by Moses in the immediate aftermath of the crossing of the Reed Sea. Az Yashir Moshe. The Gemara tells us that the words of Az Yashir are rife with extraordinary prophetic illusion right from the beginning 
As the Gemara in Mesechet Sanhedrin tells us in Pedic Chelek, that the word Az Yashir can be understood and appreciated as a source for the resuscitation of the dead that comes about when Mashiach comes because it doesn't say Az Shor, then they sang, it says Az Yashir. And in that Az Yashir, then they will sing because they'll be coming back. Right near the beginning, we come across the word Osei Pele. God who does wonders. So the Mechilta says, Oise. Oise means does. Loi Asa, not did wonders. Oise will do wonders. Oise Pele, Enksi Vela Oise. It doesn't say Asa did, it says Oise will do because. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do wonders. This is La'asad Lavei. This is the future, says the Mechilta. Shenemar, about which it is written, Hine yomim boyim no'um Hashem. Behold, days are coming, says God. And the Pasuk goes on to speak about, this is a quote from the 16th chapter of the prophecies of Jeremiah of Yirmiyahu. And then something else very interesting showed up. The Mechilta says, Asa imanu pele, he did with us wonders, Oisa imanu bechol dar vadar. He did with us wonders, and he does wonders in every generation. If you follow the trajectory of the Sicha, the Rebbe was talking about wonders, good things, marvelous things, being unmasked and seen in our time, prior to Mashiach coming. That Plois Arenu does not mean it will be amazing or wonderful only after Mashiach comes, but whilst we are still in an exilic state of dispersion and disruption, whilst we still are driven from our Father's proverbial table, we nonetheless will already experience these wonders, this idea of Pela. The Mechilta says, Oise does not refer only to Mashiach. Oise is ongoing. It's exactly what the Rebbe is talking about here in the Sicha. Now it gets more interesting. That's an all in the footnote. The footnote alludes to 119, the Rebbe's capital of this year. It alludes to capital Kufchaf to the 120th of the Shira Miles that we'll begin to say this year, it clearly spells out Pei Aleph. This is the year, Tavshin Pei Aleph. And it speaks about the notion of Pela or Plois being modified by five, by Hei, which makes it Admasa Kate's Haplois. Pela means concealed, or Plois can mean hidden, and yet the emphasis here is in Arenu. And we have a clear Torah tradition going back from the very first time that this word is mentioned, that it represents wondrous things happening now, in our time, even before the coming of Mashiach, as it alludes also to the wondrous arrival of our righteous Redeemer. Now it gets even more fascinating. The Rebbe says that all of this, I'm going back to what's called the Pnim, the actual body of the Sicha, the Rebbe says all of this can also be related to Parshat Vayigash 
in the time in which it's being read this year. He says, Shabbos is Vayachulu, the conclusion, the end of the week. It elevates the week. What ended that week? This is Hey Tevis, the fifth of Tevis. What ended that week? Hanukkah. So the Rebbe says, all this is connected to Hanukkah. You've got to hear this. This is just unbelievable. Yon Ishel Hanukkah, says the Rebbe in the Sicha. The idea of Hanukkah, which finishes always in the month of Tevis and in this year. Here we are now. We're on the fifth of Tevis. We have Parshas Vayigash, the Shabbos after Hanukkah. In Yoni Shel Hanukkah Sheshle Musei Beyema Shabbos Kedeshet, the idea of Hanukkah, which whose completion, whose perfection, whose maturation, spiritually speaking, comes to unfold in this Shabbos, is Shagam Kishinim Tzoyim B'Maimedu Matzav Decheshech Hagolos. That in as much as we might still presently be in a circumstance, in a situation of darkness, of Golos, quote Mishetishka Hachama. That is the way the Gemara. On Mesechet Shabbos, on page 21, side B describes the notion of when the menorah is kindled, when the sun sets, when darkness falls. Every member of Am Yisrael kindles the lamp of the mitzvah, the Torah of light. And we do so, we don't simply maintain status quo, we continue to wax, to grow, to increase in the notion of spreading and creating light. This is not only a pursuit relevant on a personal level, or for one's loved ones, your immediate orbit, but rather, at the door, at the entrance, on the outside, as the Gemara in Mesechet Shabbos says there, the Rebbe emphasizes on the outside. To illuminate the darkness that's on the outside. How much so? Va'ad until the Kalya Rigla the Tarmudoi. Until the footsteps of the Tarmodian are vanished. Beshuka. So this is a Gemara. The Gemara wants to know when can you light the menorah? And the Gemara says, Mishatishka Achama. The Gemara says, but until when? So the Gemara says, until, the Brysa said, until the passerbys have vanished or left the market. And the Gemara now clarifies, so how long is that? Which passerbys? Is it the end of rush hour? Is it those who linger? Omar Rabba Barbachona says the Gemara Rabba Barbachona said, Omar Rabbi Yechanan, Adachalya Rigla de Tarmudoi, until the Tarmodians have vanished. Until the Tarmodians are gone from the market. Who are the Tarmodians? These are residents of an oasis in the Syrian desert. In secular history books, it's called Palmyra. And these people, as a rule, sold kindling wood in the city markets. That was their, that was their specialty. That was their concession. They sold wood. And because people sometimes go home to start the fire, only to find out that they were in need of kindling wood, and then return back to the market. So the Tarmodians selling this kindling wood would stay there until all the people who might still be missing kindling wood would come back and purchase it. And as such, they were the last to leave the market. The Ritva says that the Tarmodians were the vendors who tarried longest in the market. 
The Ditva also states that the end of the period is determined by the locale and the time of sellers of oil, of fuel, the last people to leave the market. But very interestingly, the emphasis is not on the last people, but the words used is Adekalya Rigla de Tarmudoi. So the Rebbe says that this means, proverbially speaking, in a spiritual sense, that the footsteps of the Tarmodian vanish or are done away with, that we vaporize, get rid of the influence of these footsteps, of Kalya, that the end, it comes to an end, we end the Tarmudoi. The lowest level of this proverbial entity called Tarmudoi, Ragla, the Merida, the footsteps, the lowest level of sedition, of rebellion. Emphasis here on the language. The language is a permutation. Although Tarmodian or Tarmudoi may have been the reflection of a particular place, the fact that it is included in the syntax of the Gemara in this very way is meaningful. And as is brought down in the Sefer Eim Mechamelech in Shar Kiryas Arba, and it's also brought down in, the, in Kehilas Yankiv, an Erech Tarmud, that this forms the same Hebrew letters as Moredet, representing rebellion, rebellion against Hashem. And where is that out in the marketplace? That the merida in the shuk, and not only the rebellion against Hashem in the marketplace, but ragle the tarmudoi, but that the foot, footsteps, the lowest level of the tarmudoi, which the Rebbe calls tachtin chain tachtin lamata mimenu, the lowest of the lowest, the bottom level. That Leah is bemaimadu matzav. Here the Rebbe says that that should be in a situation not where it vanishes, not where it is removed, not where it's done away with, but rather it's transformed. Bemaimadu matzav shall klois hanefesh. Then it reaches the level kalya can also become a permutation for klois, for the pining, the yearning, of the deepest essence of the soul. And that is to say that even people who superficially express themselves in a rebellious way, and refuse to accept the yoke of heaven, euphemistically speaking. Do not bow their heads in submission before Hashem. Instead, impetuously decree themselves to be independent, and their declaration of independence essentially is a declaration or statement of rebelliousness. And that the Hanukkah lamps, that the light of Kedusha is able to modify those very individuals to the point that that which represents rebellion and sedition against the Creator comes not only to dissipate or to be removed, but becomes re-engineered and sublimated, now emerging as what we call Klois HaNefesh, a yearning and a pining of the soul, in other words, to bring forth its essence. And the Rebbe writes something absolutely astounding now. To me, it's astounding. Kalya, he says, Miloshen kolsonafshi. That this Kalya, that this yearning, this spiritual pining for God, is expressed in the scripture as kolsonafshi. My soul yearns. Do you know why I'm amazed? Because the words kol are found in Psalm 119. 
Pasuk Pei Aleph. The 81st verse, Ploi Yisarenu. The Pei Aleph, which the Rebbe highlights here in the note, the Ploi Yisarenu, Pasuk Pei Aleph of the Rebbe's capital of this year is Kol Sanafshi. So I was sure that that's probably the verbiage that's used for this teaching. Now the Rebbe sends us to three places for this teaching. This, this very, very, like, deep re-engineering of the term Kal Yerigla the Tamudoi. The first place he sends us off to is a mimer of the Rebbe Marash. This mimer of the Rebbe Marash, this Hasidic discourse of the fourth Rebbe, Rebbe Shmuel, is a mimer that was recited in the year 1869, or early 1870. And it uh, begins, Mitzvah sa That which the Rebbe alludes to here is not mentioned until the last line of the four-page mimer. At the very end, the very last line, the Rebbe Marash says that when there is Hamshacha, when there's the drawing forth, a spilling of the light of Hanukkah, Gam Rigla the Tarmudoi, even then the foot of the rebellious one, Yechoilim Lovi Lebechlinas, Kloyois Hanefesh. Kloyois Hanefesh. And that's why the time is Mishatishka Chama from when darkness falls, Achetichle Regelman Ashuk until the footsteps vanish from the marketplace. So the verbiage here, which is the first source, at least that I was able to find, is the idea, it's the very end of the mimer, very end, almost, almost a footnote. And the words, the verbiage is kloyos. Kloyos. The next source is found in a mimer of his son and successor, the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Nishma Seden, the fifth Rebbe, delivered a mimer in the year 1894, or maybe 1893, on Hanukkah, a much longer mimer, I should say. And in this mimer, also beginning with the words, mitzvosa, mishatishka achama, this notion doesn't show up at all in the body of the mimer. Again, it doesn't show up until the last two lines of the mimer. The Rebbe says, personalizing this message, that mishatishka achama means the setting of the sun, he says, means shenishka choim hativi the yetzer hara, that the heat, the tepid passion of the evil inclination and the self-expression of selfishness and ultimately leading a person down the garden path of evil, the yetzer hara, and the nefesh abamas, the animal soul, that sets or sinks. Ba'ad zois, and even more so, or oidzois, achetichla regel dekalia rigelotamadoi, until the footsteps of the rebellious one vanish. And he says that this means yovei lechlois hanefesh. The Rebbe Rashab Marash spells it as kloyois with a yudvav. The Rebbe Rashab spells it simply as klois hanefesh. There's a mimer from the Rebbe. This is a mimer that the Rebbe delivered after his heart attack in 1977. This mimer also begins Mishetishka Achama. And this mimer, this particular Hasidic discourse, begins very early on to emphasize 
this teaching of his predecessors. This teaching, which only shows up at the very end of one of the Rebbe Marash's Maimarim, and the very last line of one of the Rebbe Rashad's Maimarim, in the Rebbe's Maimarim, it shows up right in the opening. And he says the idea is that Ner Hanukkah is Mechaleu Mevatel, that Ner Hanukkah, by the way, it's an edited Maimar of the Rebbe. It was edited, it was released in 1986, or, or uh, December of 86. That it's Mevatel Rigle the Tamudoi, that it does away with the footsteps of the rebellious one. And then he says that the oil of Hanukkah, the light of Hanukkah, is not only poil, not only does it impact and affect in the sense of kiloyin, but also not only that the murdim is batlu, not only that those who represent rebellion are re-engineered and are sublimated in the sense that they won't stand in your way, but yishapchu nefesh. They come to klois nefesh. And here the Rebbe notes a number of other memorim with this idea is mentioned. And it seems that it's an origin is a mimer yet of the Tzemach Tzedek. In none of these sources that the Rebbe references in the Sikha, not one of them do we have the idea of Kol Sanafshi. Kol Sanafshi is my soul pines. Kloy Sanafshi is their soul will pine. Later on in the mimer, the Rebbe emphasizes, re-emphasizes after explaining this, this concept, that not only do you do away with the rebellious ones, you bring about in them the idea of kiloyin, which means that you release the sparks. And this means, the Rebbe says later on in the Mimer in the, in the ninth chapter, just as on the festival of Sukkot, we bring about the idea of that through our spiritual service to Hashem during the festival called Sukkot, in the base Hamigdash, we would bring offerings on behalf of all the nations, which represents the idea of kiloyin, of the vanishing impact and influence of that which is un-Jewish. At the same time, the Rebbe says, it doesn't mean that they're vanished, that they're removed, but rather that they're redirected. As is explained in multiple Memorim and you bring forth that they too will praise Hashem, that the whole world will recognize the Creator. And the Rebbe says the same thing is here as well. That Ner Hanukkah, that just as Sukkot affects the nations by bringing forth a profusion of passionate faith and, of, and acknowledging Hashem on their behalf, so too Ner Hanukkah brings about this idea of Bechines Kloyin Beklois Hanefesh. In other words, we're affecting those around us, the world around us. In the Sikha here, the Rebbe says, Kalya Miloshin Kol Sanafshi. But Kol Sanafshi never shows up in any of the sources that the Rebbe quotes. And amazingly, Hasidim, since the Rebbe's 70th birthday, have taken a verse or a number of verses from Tehillim, from the Rebbe's capital, and they focused on it. They turned it into a melody, a song of thanksgiving to Hashem. And even after Gimel Tammuz, this continued on. And of course, everybody was curious, what will become the Pasuk? What will become the verse from Psalm 119? It's the longest Psalm. Eight verses 
for every one of the 22 letters of the Aleph base, and you're talking about a sum total of 176 verses. Don't take my word for it. You, you, this, is, this is widespread. It's all over the internet. What's the pasuk that Chassidim decided to focus on? This year, Kol Sanafshi, which happens to be the 83rd pasuk, the 83rd verse in the Rebbe's capital this year. To me, this is very compelling. One last thing I want to point out before I bring this to a close is that yesterday, as you might remember, in part one, we talked about briefly, the Rebbe mentions, especially when it's after 40 years, which Nosan Hashem Lachan Hashem has given you Lev Ladas, a heart to know, a Naim Lires, eyes to see, and his Naim Lishmaya, ears to hear. There's a Sikha where the Rebbe explains that the notion of Lev Ladas represents Das. Enayim Lirei seeing represents Chochma. And Oznayim Lishmaya represents the idea of Bina, which spells Chabad. The way Rashi explains this verse, it is only now that you can begin to notice Chasteh HaMokim. It is only now you can begin to notice Hashem's kindnesses. And that will bring you to cleave to Hashem. I don't know if this is meaningful at all, but I do want to point out in 1981, December of 1981, Rabbi Michal Zelikson was preparing the Hayom Yom for a reprinting. Hayom Yom was the Rebbe's first printed work. And in the beginning, there's a biography of all of the Rabbeim. The so that year, it's 1981, and they had prepared a I guess you'll call it a write-up of uh, all the things that the Rebbe had done year by year. And that year, 1981, Tafshim which is 5742, the Rebbe wrote on an paper, Machriz announces, as per, people have been saying that this is a year ripe for Messianic redemption, May it be the year of the coming of Mashiach. And the Rebbe began to speak about it then. After having written it in Ksaviyat Kedesh, his own holy hand, the Rebbe began to speak about this on a regular basis. And for Hasidim, from the year Tafshin, Membeis onward, every year was seen as an acronym, an allusion for good things to come, for redemption to unfold. Tafshin Mem Gimel, 5743, was to Heishnas, Gilui Mem Dalad was to Heishnas, Divrei Mashiach. Mem Vav was Vadei Mashiach. And so on and so forth. This year, will make 40 years since the Rebbe began to read into the acronyms that could be spelled up by the year. This year represents the 40th year. The first one, Tafshin Membez. The 40th year, the completion of 40 years, Tafshin Pe Aleph. Seems compelling to me. Now I know some of this might seem fanciful to you or you may think I'm being overly creative, overly imaginative, reaching. 
but please think about this. Really, in a sense, every one of the things I've talked about over the last hour plus can be compelling. What are the chances that each of these things together all is, so to speak, coagulating? All of this coming together. In the conclusion of that sicha, the Rebbe says, It's not just about talk. We have to do something about this. And the Rebbe goes on to spell out in very clear terms the need for us to create a sacred space in our own personal homes. Where have people been for the last few months? Perhaps more than ever in modern history. We've been stuck in our homes. The Rebbe speaks about making sure that there are Torah books in our homes. And the Rebbe speaks about Torah books in the home, a bias moles farim, a home whose presence of Torah books fills the home, ultimately leads to greater and more assiduous Torah study. The Rebbe then, at the end of the Sicha, says that when we have the concept of Torah books in our home, and when our home is a repository, a, a, a locale for holiness and avodas Hashem, service of Hashem, so then it brings protection for us. And then a footnote here on the bottom, page 216, the Rebbe alludes to one of the Shir Hamalos that says, Im ir, if God won't watch the city, shov shokad shaymer, then the sentry has tried to bring about security in vain. And the Rebbe says that when a Yid learns Torah and that when there's Torah in the home, it protects him when he leaves the home and comes back to the home, which is people's greatest fear now. Leaving their home, coming back into their home. All of this was not only spoken, documented and edited by the Rebbe nearly 30 years ago. May God bless us that we aren't making a mistake here. The Rebbe said these words and this is really what he meant. And if it is, that this new year of Tavsh and Pe'alaf, this new year of 5781, will be one in which all, together, we will experience Plo'es Arenu, the wonders and kindness of Hashem in a revealed and unmasked way. In this time when everybody's walking around masked, that everything will be unmasked, and everything will be overt, overt goodness, overt health, overt prosperity, overt Jewish pride, and that in Yerzah Hashem, out of goodness, out of plentitude and amplitude, out of happiness and out of joy in the last days of Golos, we will merit in Yerzah Hashem to finally welcome Mashiach. Bimheira will be Amenu Amen. Shana Tova. I wish all of you a happy year, a sweet year, Ashnas Oira, a year of light, Ashnas Bracha, a year of blessing, and Ashnas Geula, a year of redemption through Mashiach, the Meira will be a Menu Amen. Thanks for joining.
Thank <laughs> you.